Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome along to this short bonus episode, which is audio taken from an impact sector call. And these are things which I host every two months, trying to understand what's going on within the sector here in New Zealand. So this time we had John Morrow, who's the head of philanthropy at JB Ware, and he was telling us all about the cause report. And I thought, actually, this is really interesting. I'm going to put it up on Seeds as well. I hope you enjoy it. And if you'd like to become part of the calls, then drop me an email at stephen at theseeds.nz, and I can add you to the list of more than 500 people who get the updates about these calls. Now let's get straight into this session with John. Hey, well, kia ora koto, ko Stephen Toko Ingoa, na o tatahi ao. Hey, it's a great pleasure to welcome you all to this call. We have these every two months. Um, some of you are new to the call, so just really briefly, they started during the initial lockdown, like more than a year and a half ago. And at the beginning, I was holding them every week. Um, but then as time has gone on, what they're becoming is more of a, a way to touch base, to connect and I'm finding every two months is quite a good time period. And I don't know about all of you who are on the last call, but it doesn't feel like it was two months ago. It's kind of goes by really quick, which maybe happens as we get older. I'm not sure. <laughs> time speeds up. But the purpose of the call is really to connect across the sector that I like to call the impact sector. So we've got people on the call who are focused on youth, mental health, the environment, in professions accountants, lawyers, like there's a real diverse mix of people here, but all of us, I think are focused ultimately on impact and mission. And so the idea is that by coming together, actually we can learn from each other. And there might be ideas that you hear somebody talk about in a completely different sector that you could apply in yours. Also, we've got John Morrow here. Um, so John, it's a great pleasure to have you on here because I know you're in demand because your report was only released last week. So it's great to be able to welcome you to the call. For those who don't know, JB Ware for a while now have put out cause reports and they're incredible because they're very detailed analyses of the impact sector. I asked John to come on. He's the head of philanthropy here in New Zealand. And I'm really curious, um, I think all of us on the call will be curious, John, to hear a bit more about the background to the report, what it is that you're, you're aiming for with it. Um, and I'll make sure to put in a chat the, um, the link where people can download it and have a look. But I really just want to hand it over to you. Thanks, Stephen. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou. Kata. Just yeah, before I go into this report, I just want to acknowledge actually Stephen's uh, leadership in initiating this forum. Uh, I know, Stephen, you've, uh, you know, you brought us all together, well, it must be over uh, 18 months ago now, and your ongoing commitment to this, um, just to acknowledge, you know, it's a really valuable forum for us and all, and for us to be able to connect in, across different parts of um, this impact um, sector, as you describe it. Uh, the opportunity today is just to um, just present to you, you know, some of the work we've done and some of our thinking around the cause report, um, as Stephen alluded to, uh, this is our second one. For New Zealand. Uh, we did one in 2017 and we we're keen to update this and provide a, a, another sort of profile on the sector. Uh, we, we call it the cause report and we, we refer to the sector as the for purpose sector. I know there's lots of names out there we can refer to in this and charity sector, the community sector, third sector, not-for-profit sector, and I just often, you know, this is sort of a, a view that's been taken within JB Weir, and it's probably common to most of you too, but when we talk about not-for-profit, we're sort of lab labelling a, um, the sector as something that it is not, 
And so we wanted to, you know, just be more positive about that. And I know this is a more common phrase that's been picked up. Um, and, you know, JB Weir have also adopted that as well, particularly after um, some, uh, I think Tim Costello in Australia actually really pushed for this for the charity sector in Australia a number of years ago. So, um, you know, whilst we talk about um, the for-purpose sector in this report, what we mean by that is not only the charity sector, but also the wider not-for-profit sector. Uh, and in terms of, you know, why is this report significant? Um, I, we hope, I think as we understand this, there's very few pieces of research that take an in-depth sector-wide view of the um, for-purpose sector in our trial New Zealand. And, you know, so what we're hoping to do with this report is to demonstrate and profile and, and bring to um, the attention sort of those outside the sector, um, the significance of this, this part of um, Aotearoa New Zealand and its contribution to enabling, you know, New Zealand to flourish and, um, you know, a critical part of our, our fabric of our society. But also, it's also an opportunity, and I'm in saying that, you know, we do acknowledge the GDP contribution that this sector makes, um, that's th those numbers that are in there, you know, 4.2% of New Zealand's total GDP that comes from the non-profit um, institute, institution satellite account from Stat New Zealand. It includes the monetized um, volunteer labor, volunteering um, as well um, of 4 billion. And, um, you know, so that's a significant contribution or value add to New Zealand, and it's comparative to the primary industry sector, which you know, adds about 7% to New Zealand's GDP, and it's on a size with the agricultural industry. So a part of that report you know, is not only uh, doing the detail into each subsector, but also saying, look, actually, this is a significant part of New Zealand, and we want to be able to profile this and actually um, highlight. I think one leader came to me last week and said, John, just thank you for this report. It just it makes, um, just highlights that we are worthy. And I was, I was struck by that. I just thought, um, you know, the sector does such important work. And, um, and I hope, you know, it helps uh, um, not only identify some of the challenges it's currently facing, but also, you know, our primary intention is to actually ensure that it, um, it uh, gives a positive view of its contribution to um, the country. Uh, so uh, what's inside the report? Um, before I do that, I just want to acknowledge some people. You know, this is, this is um, a team effort and um, a number of people within the sector have supported it. And, uh, you know, we couldn't have done this without the work of the charity services. And I just want to acknowledge um, Andrew Phillips and his team and being able to uh, provide us with the data set and then all the questions and the work we've done. Uh, it's about 700 hours of work to do this, put this report together. And there's a lot of toing and froing between charity services and ourselves to make sure we're confident with the numbers and we're confident with the profiles that we do. So um, thank you, Andrew, and for your team to be open to sort of work with us on this. Uh, and then I just um, call out uh, those in the sector who helped review it and um, you know, wrote the forwards for it as well. Rachel Stewart-Allen, who's the general manager at PUE, who you'll know, Nikki Hurst, is the Executive Officer of New Zealand Council for Christian Social Services, Claire Akmead, um, the Chair, Chief Executive for Social Services Providers, Aotearoa, um, Kath Wallace, who's the Co-Chair in the Environment Conservation Organisations for Aotearoa, Helen Lee, um, the Chief Executive for um, 
Faniora in the South Island. And sorry, Helen, I have, can't pronounce your um, the uh, um, the Maori name pro um, correctly here, but um, I hope you bear with me on that. And then uh, Michelle Kitney, um, the Chief Executive for Volunteer New Zealand. And then last of all, uh, Jenny Gill, who any of you will know, who's um, you know one of our senior um, philanthropists and has a long history with these reports. Uh, and she, I think, initially was the um, um, one of the uh, reports back in 2005 when she was um, involved with Philanthropy New Zealand and also the um, CEO of Foundation North. So thank you, Jenny, for being able to um, write the forward too and also be able to um, embed it within the wider historical context. Um, and then just uh, Samantha, the team involved with us, you know, John McLeod, from, um, my colleague from Melbourne, was writing it with me. And then we had Anne Rodder and Samantha Malloy um, supporting us on it. So the, the report, inside the report, um, you've got um, an in-depth analysis um, of 19 cause areas, and that's taken up based on the categorization, the taxonomy that um, uh, charity services uses mostly, um, but it's also an international taxonomy. So we, we take that because we can then make a comparison from each time we do one of these reports. These, uh, you'll notice that some, um, Charities that you would think would be in certain cause areas are not. Um, and the um, issue with that is, or, is that charities, um, uh, when they file the annual report with annual return with the charity services, designate a primary purpose. And that is the purpose from which the, um, they are allocated into one of these cause areas. So, you know, uh, some of these, um, you know, perhaps like I know, for example, Red Cross, is um, designated as other. So, you know, that one you'd expect to see in international activities perhaps or community development um, and there's others like that. And so we haven't sought to change the categorization. We're just taking the data as, as, as it was um, filed with the charity services and then um, presenting it in this way. Uh, we make some comparisons with the 2017 report and we also um, recognize that this report um, I'll, I'll just be able to speak to the data sources for this. Uh, there, there's four primary data sources, and uh, you know we um, the complexity for this report was um, more perhaps um, enhanced by the COVID um, last you know the, the COVID impacts we've had over the last um, 18 months, and uh, that's been um, through not only in terms of being able to get returns the charity services gave. Um, Charities are longer um, an extension to the time to file, um, and so that took us a, took us a while to get the data set. But then also, um, the impact you know has been significant on you know many parts of the sector over the last eighteen months, and to be able to capture that is still a work in progress. So, but we wanted to be able to do that within this report, and so how we've done that is we've done a couple of things. First of all, the, the primary data comes from. Um, the annual returns that were filed with charity services as at the 30th, um, 31st of March 2020. And as um, normally they need to be filed, um, sorry, as at the year end 31st of March 2020. And normally, you know, you're allowed six months to file those. Um, we didn't draw that data set down until December of last year. So it allowed another, um, you know, extra months for be able to, to be able to capture a more complete data set. Um, and then, we also use the nonprofit institution satellite account data. And then the Time to Shine report 
work that came out last year and then was kindly made open, was open sourced was really helpful for us to be able to actually look at that more deeply. And then the, um, we're conscious, you know, that that the install provided mostly a pre-COVID snapshot. So then uh, in March of this year, we went back into the charity services data set and took out the return, um, looked at all the returns that had been made as that for the financial year in 30th of September 2020 to get a you know, first six-month snapshot of what the COVID impacts were on the sector. Uh, so that's um, sort of the background to it. Um, in terms of the key insights, I'll just cover off some of the top, top lines on this. Um, you'll note in the 2017 report, um, a key um, sort of line to that report was the number of charities per capita. And, um, you know, we had the highest number of charities per capita than any, um, in any country in, um, or peer country. And uh, I think at that time, there was 21,500 charities. Um, so that um, number's still growing, but hasn't grown at the rate it has in the past. So, uh, you know, uh, it's now grown at about 3%. And, you know, more recently, recent times, you know, the last um, year that we captured on this in this report, there was only 60 new registrations and um, 279 deregistrations. So um, that is um, the change. And at the time that we got the data set, at, you know, the total charities that were on the report um, that were registered were 23,848. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, Andrew can speak to maybe more sort of the reasons behind that and, you know, where we, um, if it's more that people are actually more conscious that there are other charities serving certain communities and are more um working to sort of collaborate and align together before they register. But also perhaps, you know, it's also the way that charity services are also looking at applications as well. Um, in terms of um, the financial insights, you know, we looked at these in two ways. We looked at it from at the nonprofit level. So that's 115,000 odd nonprofit charities, institutions. And then we also looked at it at the subset of that as the charities data. Um, and couple of sort of highlights on that at the non-profit level you know sector income continues to grow um, across all revenue sources um, but the no notable one is that earned income is is really important to significant cause areas and subsectors um, six of the 19 earn half of their income um, and only four less than you know 25 percent of their income so uh, you know in, it's encouraging to see uh, the diversification of revenue streams which helps build resilience, you know, within the sector and within the organisations that have been able to do that. I sort of am um, conscious, you know, that's not available to all. And I do um, raise mention of just the vulnerability, particularly in international activities. It doesn't have the ability, you know, it's the one that's most prone to um, uh, a drop in donations because it doesn't have the ability to diversify its income as much as some of the other cause areas. Um, we do note... Um, uh, and it's more actually, I don't think we noted in the report, but we do quite a lot of work in around giving and um, what is the uh, sort of size of giving each year and give and projections on that. Uh, earlier this year, uh, we projected there would be a 12% drop in giving this year on the on, on the total 3.8 billion that you know we had um, profiled in our support report from last year. Uh, and then we came into halfway through this year and we thought that was pessimistic. But from, you know, just going into this lockdown period and then anecdotally talking to different people in the sector, 
recognizing you know the constraints the gaming trusts also have um we think that number is probably about right for this year so uh, you know drop you know donations normally drop right about four and a half percent a year that's you know what the trend has been over the last 10 years and yet so this year we're going to have not that growth and you're going to have probably a 12 percent drop which you know that's significant for a number of charities and it will you know not require them to again to review their overheads um it's on the expenses side you know, uh, 40% um, expenses have grown sort of slightly at a similar rate since 2013, at about 6%. Um, you know, interesting to note that 40% of that is spent on um, staff costs, and that percentage has been consistent since 2004. Um, on the charity, if we just go into the charities piece um, and go down down to that sort of um, subsector, um, income growth over the last seven, um, 10 years has been about 7%. Um, has been some bumps in 2018, 2019. Uh, But the surplus has been roughly the same. So surplus as a percentage of income has only had a small increase. So it's still at about 10%, 9% in 2013, 10% um, uh, in 2018. And we do make a note in the report, you know, this is, um, there's not a lot of buffer there. And you know the consequences of that with these tight margins is that you know, there is um, little room for innovation and uh, you know opportunity to um, take risks on programs and, uh, and delivering things in ways that are unproven or wouldn't attract donor or other um, grant forms of income. Uh, the surpluses um, growth has increased. Um, since uh, uh, 8.1% since 2013. Um, but, and you'll see it has dro- the total um, surplus in the sector had dropped to about 1.5 million at 31 March 2020. And our anecdotes are that that would have, you know, if we'd done the figures for this year, that would have dropped even further. You know, a number of charities we know have had to dip into reserves over the last 12 to 18 months to cover the operating deficits. Um, uh, in terms of the work, labour workforce, um, you know, we, we do um, look at that. Uh, the, key, uh, the key sort of trends highlights on that, are you'll, you've seen an increase in full-time staff, particularly in health and education, and that's just because of an increase of professionalisation within those sectors. Um, and a slight um, decrease in part-time staff and uh, you know, there is some reference also to how um, the sector is using um, uh, more temporary contract um, labour to actually deliver some of their programs and support the, um, the back office functions. Uh, we do talked about volunteering and you know the, contrib- the contribution it makes. Um, interesting to note, you know, nine of the ten charities um, on the register are fully. Um, uh, run by volunteers. Uh, it's a significant contribution they make to this sector. And, um, and, that's, and that the metric and sort of a dynamics within that is changing because of COVID and Michelle um, speaks to that and her forward. Um, we've also got a piece coming out on the Institute of Directors. Uh, I think next week and Michelle, you know, makes some further comments about that as well. Um, in the COVID piece, uh, so this is really saying, well, look, you know, let's try, given that most of the data was looking at pre, um, you know, the 31 March financial year in 2020, we really wanted to sort of 
see what was happening in that first six months and building on the Time to Shine work that had already was happening that happened last year. And so in looking at that, we looked at the change in the changes between the, the returns that were filed in September 2020 versus September 2019. And what was noticeable was that the certain sectors, um, you know, had significantly more loss of income than others, uh, attributable to that sort of first six months of um, 2020 year. And particularly in sports and arts, you know, which are event-based, are highly reliant on um, events to um, generate revenue, um, but also, you know, highlighting um, social services and the um, increased demand that they had on this, you know, on many um, charities in that sector had on their services, but still working within the existing um, funding models. Uh, and we do make you know, reference to the Martin Jenkins report. You know, that I think that's a really valuable report for the sector to, um, to reference and to um, speak to both to donors and to, um, you know, the government and, and, and other grant makers. Uh, and I think, you know, there was the government wage subsidies coming through and other targeted help, you know, last year. And, you know, you're seeing some of that again this year. But again, you know, particularly around the wage subsidies, that doesn't support the loss of income for overhead. So it doesn't, you know, there's still real constraints there. And, um, you know, I think, it's the, you know, the charity sector or the for-purpose sector you know, is still, um, so the challenges that it had last year are still with us this year. It's just compounded. And both on on in terms of its financial health, but also um, the um, the the fatigue, I suppose, and the and the um, and the the um, morale within existing staff members as well. Um, so I think that's where I'm just going to stop. We do compare different sort of sectors by income. You know, we look at different sectors by the labour force and then by assets. And you know, there's quite a lot there to unpack. But I sort of thought, well, look, that's just the top line, and. Um, I'll hand it back to um, you, Steve, to sort of take it from there. Great. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And we're conscious that the report only just came out. So um, hopefully this is good practice for you because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who want to find out more about it. Um, I'm also conscious that Anne Rudd is on the call and she, I think, contributed as well. If it's okay, um, well, first of all, if anybody has a question, put it in the chat. But Anne, I just wondered from your perspective, do you mind giving a little thought or two on um, anything that you've observed or that stood out to you? Hi, everyone. Hi, John. Um, nice to be in this forum again. I just have to say, um, I. Personally and professionally, I want to thank JB Ware. This is a huge investment of resources, and I'm acutely aware that those of us in the sector that are trying to have attention um, from funders or government or media, etc., we're repeating our things all the time. And so, some an organization of JB Ware's reputation and the fact that they're not in this sector, um, really advocating for us is such an incredibly useful tool. So thank you, John, and thank you, JB Ware, for um, putting your money where your mouth is, basically, and making it happen for us. Um, my own personal outtakes, I know having run arts organizations, uh, the amount of profit or the amount of income that is self-derived, but it was really gratifying to see that 
published and to see the, that the, the bulk of organizations are really doing it themselves. So I completely support John and JB Ware's philosophy that not-for-profit really doesn't do the sector justice. Um, so I think I'll leave it with that. Um, lots of really good, juicy, nerdy information in there. Um, we know that people will grab the report, dive into their own sector first, but there's a very strong positioning pace earlier on about the impact that the sector has had on COVID. Um, very early days, and I'm sure the next one will be able to look back and, and assess the next uh, cause report will be able to look back and assess the impact that COVID has had on New Zealand and on the sector. So enjoy the ride. Um, you'll need a magnifying glass and um, it's a good read. Thank you. Great, thanks, Thank Anne. you for your work on this too. We appreciate it. Yeah. Well, just following on from that point that's been made, um, John, can you describe like, what's your hope for the report? How has it been received so far? Is it something that is going to get into the hands of people that we hope it will um, within government and, and other decision makers who, you know, maybe it will help to highlight the, the sector? Any first reactions that you've had? Or Yeah. Um, so the idea um, is to, you know, use it as a way to help profile the sector and particularly around the numbers. You know, often the sector, um, it, it's very good on the qualitative side often, but, you know, in terms of actually quantifying the sector and the size of the sector and, and, and breaking it up into those sub-cause areas, I think that's one thing I think we hope this report does. Um, I think um, the it's been very positively um, received so far by, um, you know, a number of different um, leaders within the sector that I've had feedback on this week and also from the media interest. Um, government has also indicated interest that, you know, they want to be widely briefed on it. And uh, so, um, you know, John McLeod from Melbourne and myself will be doing some government briefings on this as well. That's great. Thank you. Um, Craig's put a comment in here just saying that it's really helpful to see the funds flow and the movements over time. Um, any thoughts on how to grapple with assessing impact from the sector in the future? Yeah, um, I think we can do more with this, this work. Um, and I think we will be able to, as we do, you know, as we go into the next report, I think we'll actually go, you know, we've, we've taken ideas from this one around how we can sort of profile and do deeper analysis on, on different um, parts, you know, and, and how we profile the sector. I'm always conscious the numbers never tell you the full story, though. And so you've got to be really careful. And I don't want to go to this place where we just are assessing um, the health of organisations you know, by way of sort of inputs, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, I'm just really concerned about that. So, you know, I will take um, direction from the sector and from, you know, those who are, are leaders just around how, how we profile it, because the ultimate aim is here is to actually profile this positively mm. and in a way that actually is going to recognise its, its significant contribution to Aotearoa New Zealand and, you know, how do we build resilience in the sector um, mm. long term. That's good. Well, just picking up on that, um, one of the comments in the chat was, were you, are you seeing any examples of collaboration and partnerships between organizations? I'm not sure if that would have come up yeah. through the data or, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I definitely am. Um, and what's encouraging is, you know, there's always been this talk about mergers. 
and I've always felt that that's just it's too one step too hard. It's one step too fast and too far for a lot of organisations. But I, what I am seeing is collaborations, particularly around operation at the operational level, and through shared spaces, you know, shared back offices, and I think that's really positive. And I, you know, that helps build um, relationships. It helps build levels of trust. It sort of try it enables sort of a a sort of lower risk way of engaging with other charities. And then, you know, if that really works well, then you can look at a formal merger. But I, I'm seeing quite a bit of that from the last 18 months. And I think that's a really encouraging sign. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I've actually seen that a couple of times, in, including here in Christchurch, where I'm based, where uh, there's been kind of like a hubs set up. And so there will be like a world vision sort of organization and then, you know, like a workplace support or mental health organization and then a youth organization. And they're all different. But I think that synergy and the chance to collaborate comes from being in the same place. So it might be something that we see more of in the future. Um, maybe I'll just ask one more question. Um, we're fortunate I see Andrew Phillips has jumped on, so that's good. We'll be able to hear from him in a second. But are there any charity sectors that you think might be missing from the government's categorizations? So that's from Helen. She's, she's put charity yeah. sectors in, in, you know, quote marks. So, Yeah, so, um, I mean, be interested. I think the sector will be able to tell us that more closely. Uh, and we're... Yeah, I mean, so this is ones that are probably non-profit um, organisations, but they're not on the register. Uh, yeah. Well, you've got uh, you know this hybrid, this um, this these for-purpose companies, right? Uh, that may not have um, be owned fully owned by a charity, so the nexus isn't there, but they they do have uh, you know a predominant charitable purpose. So I think that's one area that, you know, we could, and I think there is some work around this, you know, you, around how do we recognize these for purpose entities that are not charities, but are not businesses. Um, mm. That sort of middle ground. Uh, uh, that would be probably my initial reflection, but I would be guided by um, sort of the sector as to other areas where, um, you know, perhaps, you know, the, the charities ambit is not as Perhaps as wise as it could be. <clears throat> Great, thank you. Yeah, I think it, as others have said in the comments, and hopefully you're getting this positive feedback. You know, we we really appreciate it that you would go to the effort to to go through so much data information and then pull out some highlights, pull out some reflections. And one thing I'd encourage people to do, like I know this sounds basic, but if you read the report and you like it why not consider telling somebody else about it? Like you think about how many hours was it, John? 700 hours or more, you know, that goes into the creating these sorts of resources. And it takes, what, 20 seconds to copy paste a link into your LinkedIn and post about it and say, hey, check out this report as a way to continue to spread the word. Um, yeah, it's, it's something that we could easily do, I think, to, to support, you know, the good things there. So... Thank you very much, John, for joining us and sharing with us. I really appreciate it. And I put the link in the chat so people can find it. And we'll make sure when I send it out, um, we'll have that again for people to see. But thanks again. Thank um, Steve. And uh, if anyone's got any other questions, I uh, think they're in the um, landing page. There's my email address. Happy to sort of, if you want to email me and I can sort of pick up the conversation from there. <laughs>
Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that session with John. There really is a lot of amazing content within this report that he's talking about. So I do encourage you to check it out. And there's a link in the show notes so that you can find it easily. If you enjoyed this episode, then why not check out some of the others in the back catalog? Normally, they're interviews with inspiring people, but occasionally I like to throw in a little bit of different things like this. Until next time. Mm -hmm.